0: This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks for being here today. Today we have Nancy and Elizabeth Jorgensen on the show. Nancy is the mother of 2016 Olympic triathlon champion Gwen Jorgensen, and Elizabeth is her sister. They have written two books, and the most recent book about Gwen's career is called Gwen Jorgensen, USA's First Olympic Gold Medal Triathlete, and it is for young adult readers, also good for adult readers, And their hope was to write a story of a female athlete who had big goals and went after them for young readers to get invested in that story and in this episode we talk a lot about what it, it was like to parent a very high achieving child and to be the sister of a very talented and driven athlete. Uh, Elizabeth is a an English teacher and so she comes at, at this book with that angle and Nancy, Gwen's mother, has also written several books as well. This was a really fun, easygoing conversation. And I feel like I learned a lot from both of them. I grabbed some parenting knowledge from Nancy and Elizabeth certainly made me laugh and gave a great perspective of what their family dynamics were like growing up. Now there are a lot of links from this episode in the show notes of books we talk about. And you're definitely gonna wanna go to the show notes to make sure you can grab a copy of the books that we discuss. And anything else we talked about will be in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Just click on Why Is Everyone Yelling in the tab and uh, you'll find them. You can also subscribe to our newsletter over there. Uh, Friends, if you enjoy the show, leave us a quick rating and review. That is a great way potential new listeners can find us. All right. Please enjoy my conversation with Nancy Jorgensen and Elizabeth Jorgensen. All right. Well, today on the podcast we have Nancy and Elizabeth Jorgensen. Welcome to the show, ladies.
1: Thanks for having us. We're happy to be
0: here. Calling in from Wisconsin, we were just talking about the uh, forty degree degree weather there and the seventy degree weather there here. Um, I'm a Midwest girl, though, so I feel you.
1: It's a struggle. We are, uh, you know, we get peaks of sunshine, but I need more of that vitamin D right now.
2: They say that this is really unusual. It should be warmer and it just, we just can't break out of it.
0: Okay. But it's interesting because I was just talking about this. Um, We have this, I have this platform called Relay where a bunch of us running creators get together and produce content. And we were just in our book club talking about how Wisconsin and Minnesota runners are like the toughest runners out there. Like notoriously. Would you agree?
1: You have to be. You have no other choice. I mean, I I signed up for a trail series and it's like some of the races are going to be snow covered. Others of them are going to be warm. It's just like you have to adapt to whatever Wisconsin throws at you.
0: Yeah. Um okay, so so Nancy and Elizabeth, Gwen Jorgensen's mother and sister, um, a long time ago, I think in 2018, I interviewed Gwen for my podcast for Runners, I'll Have Another, and that was when she was like transitioning into, you know, she was uh, had just joined Bowerman, I believe, and uh, so could you give us a little bit of background about your stories and why you chose to write a book about Gwen's story and kind of the family that surrounded raising and being around this athlete that became a gold medalist in 2016?
2: That's a lot to cover. (laughs) Um,
0: I know, I know. Just start small.
2: Okay, we... um, you know, we never realized that we were raising an Olympian. We were just a regular Wisconsin family dealing with the cold weather. And um Gwen was a swimmer. <laughs> and maybe she was a swimmer because there's lots of indoor pools around. And, you know, it's something you can do uh, 12 months out of the year. And she just she was obsessed with swimming. She'll tell you now probably a little too obsessed with it. But she just latched onto this sport, and so we supported her in it and Elizabeth um found other interests. She was a basketball player and did a little cross country um, And my husband and I just you know we just wanted to raise kids that were um happy, successful. We emphasized sport as well as music, and of course, academics and um just it was a long time past childhood when we had any inclination that we were going to have this Olympian mm. so maybe elizabeth you want to take over and continue about how the book happened and
1: yeah um so when gwen started having all of this success in triathlon mom and I are writers and we often partner together on projects. And so we thought, you know, there was a story there to be told, like, how does somebody go from average Wisconsin girl to world and Olympic champion, um, for, you know, not even knowing what triathlon was. And then six years later winning the gold medal. And so we wrote really our family's story from the mother's perspective and the sister's perspective. That one is called Go Gwen Go. And after that one went out, um, Gwen really said, if you're going to do another project, I would like this project to be for middle grade or for younger people to inspire them to learn about themselves and how you can chase and follow big dreams and goals. And so we're like, yeah, like I'm a teacher. My mom was a teacher for many years. Like we love this idea. And so we worked the three of us to create our latest project, which is a book that we intended for middle grade readers, but we're hearing that so many adults are picking it up and they're reading it quickly and they're just like enjoying it. And then they they tell us like, I didn't even know that this was intended for kids. And so, you know, we're glad to hear that it has a wide appeal.
0: I'm super curious as a teacher and a writer, like how you choose to write things for certain age demographics, like what makes it more elementary for these younger readers and how do you make it interesting enough then for the older readers?
2: We really hadn't done much writing for kids or young adults. Um, At least for me, most of my writing had been targeted at adults. And so we did some research, you know, about what makes what makes a, a book appropriate for younger kids. And it's, um, you know, it's not so much vocabulary. The advice was use big words. Kids have kids have phones, you know, they could they know how to look up a word. It's more in sentence structure and topics. You know, I mean, you you know, some topics are just only appropriate for adults. But I we I think we maybe not even intentionally but we we really didn't talk. We tried not to talk down to kids. We tried to give mm-hmm. them all the information and talk to them, um, respect the reader and give them information that we thought would be useful and also interesting um, and use some of those big words and explain some um, more difficult concepts. Like in the book, uh, you know, there's a lot of technical triathlon information that people probably mm-hmm. don't know about the transition and even the cycling, how to clip in on a bike. And so we took some of that more technical information and put it into sidebars so that kids or adults could read the narrative. They could read the story of how this person got from, you know, average Wisconsin kid to Olympian. And then if they're interested in how do you transition from a (laughs) wetsuit to a bicycle, um, they can go to that sidebar and read that information.
0: I love that you mentioned, like, this was not something on your radar, not just the book. I mean, I'm talking about like Gwen's career because I've t- talked about this a lot on my podcast for parents about like not getting your kids like involved in single sports too young and, and all this like research shows that like a well-developed athlete is is much better off doing multiple sports. And there's this like pressure in our world today to single focus because like the recruitment From colleges and whatnot is like watching these club teams, and you can only be on these club teams if you're spending six days a week and blah, blah, blah. So, this is one of my favorite parts of the story of Gwen's story is that it wasn't this, like, oh my gosh, she's going to be an Olympian someday. We're going to throw everything into this. There were like so many other multifaceted parts of her life. So, can you talk about that as a mother? I think there's probably a lot of listeners who want their kids to excel and be like, really good at whatever they do, but not to put all that pressure on them?
2: I think part of it is just kind of the Wisconsin humble attitude. You know, we Mm. just didn't, we didn't have those ambitions for our kids. And um, we just, seriously, we just wanted them to be good at school and to come out, uh, you know, to go to college and come out with a good career and, and be happy with their lives. And I think if we had, focused on one sport, it would have been the wrong sport because she tapped out of swimming. She, she was a good swimmer in our town um, and in our state, but she wasn't a state champion and she didn't get a scholarship to go to college. If we had really emphasized swimming, it would have been the wrong sport. And then when she did transition to a new sport, it was running. And that also was not her forte. You know, if we'd put everything into track and field camps, it would have been the wrong one. It took years and years for her to figure out what her sport was and what she could really be successful at. And it wasn't the the sport that was most obvious in the beginning.
1: But Gwen wanted to be an Olympian. She, from the time she was little, she wanted to go to the Olympics to swim. And it was what mom was alluding to before, like Gwen was very focused on that. And she was Borderline obsessed with that, and Mom forced us to have balance in our lives. She forced Gwen to, you know, play violin, to be in the Milwaukee Youth Symphony, and to to balance all of her talents. And I think that that ultimately actually helped her become an Olympian in the end. Even though you might not think that along the way, she had been training physically, but also in these other capacities to excel at a really high level.
0: I think that also it teaches you like obviously when she was training to be an Olympic champion, like you have to be pretty singularly focused on some things for periods of time. But when you rip something away from somebody because they're injured or whatever, if they don't have anything else to fall back on, like there's a lot of mental health things at play there. And so that's really, really good. Um, Can you walk us through as a family, like, What that looks like when you realize, like, the potentials there and, like, how you supported her, like, physically, emotionally and all that.
1: I don't know that we ever realized it. Like, at least I didn't in any singular moment. It was, you know, she was doing swimming at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And then it was, well, now I'm gonna try track. And it's like, oh, I love track. Okay, let's, let's do it, right? And then oh, I'm gonna do cross country. Okay, and then next thing you know, she's graduating and Team USA says, well, we think you should do triathlon. And it's like, oh, okay. And then she does some races and, you know, she's pretty terrible, but then she slowly starts to get better and, you know, it just, it unfolded in this really natural way where Gwen was just like, here's what's next, here's what's next, here's what's next, and I never saw it coming. Did you, Mom?
2: Well, and I think her attitude was one of, let's just give it a try. Um, because she did have a, she was working as a full-time accountant with Ernst and & Young, and 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 USA Triathlon had this recruitment program where they were targeting people like Gwen who could swim and, and um run and they said well, well we'll just teach you the bike we'll we'll find a coach for you and just try it mm. and so i think Gwen's attitude she adopted that attitude well i'll just try it and if it doesn't work out well then i'm in better shape than i was when i started and i still have my job as an as a corporate accountant and so we kind of went along with that, you know. Okay, well, yeah, be, and that fits in kind of the model of our family: try a new sport, see what happens. You know, certainly every sport our family tried didn't end up at the Olympics,
1: <laughs> so there was no reason
2: <laughs> to think this would. And then, like what, like Elizabeth said, you know, she just she started winning, and then she started winning more, and she started reducing her hours at work, and she talked to us, and she said, you know, I think I'm going to try this professionally, and we said, well. I mean, how, how many chances are you going to get to try this? And you're in your twenties. Go for it. We'll help you out. And she said, Oh, no, I'm, I will not do this if you're going to give me money. I'm going to find some sponsors. She found some low level sponsors and lived frugally. And, um, she did come home and live for a little bit and save some rent money there, but she, she did not want money from us. Um, she wanted to do it on her own.
0: Wow. Wait, we got to talk about that a little bit because <laughs> um, I'm just thinking like if I was in my young 20s trying something to my parents were offering to support me financially, even a little bit, I'd be like, yeah, hand it over. I'll take it.
1: Me too. I would have said yes as well. That's why they didn't offer it to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think most people would like there is something really Gratifying about being like, I did this on my own. However, you know, if your parents aren't like buying you a house or like doing these like crazy things, but they're just like, here's 500 bucks a month so that you can buy groceries or do whatever. Okay. I think I'd still be like, pat myself on the back. I did this on my own a little bit.
2: So where did that come from? Because Elizabeth said she would have taken the money. She would. It's. I think it's just a personality thing. Um, um, probably got it from me because I. I feel like I did. You know, I got where I am, and I'm not in any. You know, we are not rich by any means, but. Um, you know, I worked hard, and we saved our money, and yeah, bought a house and bought a car and, on our own, and no parent ever gave me any of that. So I don't know. Uh huh. Just the way I mean, she Gwen's thinks. Gwen's an
1: accountant, if that, <laughs> if that says something, right, about her mentality. And she's always been like that. Like, she got a lot of gratification of setting goals and achieving those goals. And some of those goals were financial. Um, and she's also, she's just fiercely independent. I think that she just, she wants to do things on her terms.
0: That's so wild. Like, if you think about kids and like you're the same parents raising Elizabeth, raising Gwen and the difference, I don't know. I'm thinking about my sisters, though. I'm like, yeah, I think we'd all take the money. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be 40 in August. And I think if my parents were like, hey, do you want $1,000? I'd be like, yeah, I do. Thanks.
2: (laughs) Elizabeth just paid off her mortgage. And coming up to the end of it, she reminded me, you know, every few months, mom, I only have like $15,000 left on my mortgage. Mom, now we're down to 10. It's not so much.
1: (laughs) She never helped me. She never gave me a dime.
0: (laughs) I mean, let's talk about that for a minute. You paid off your mortgage. That's kind of unheard of too.
1: Well, I I set a goal early on, you know, that I wanted it paid off by the time I was 40. Okay. And I didn't reach my goal. I'm 40 and six months, but I did along the way, ended up purchasing a a second home. And so I I justified in my mind that I could have paid off the first home had I not purchased a a vacation home. So I, I feel okay about it. But yeah, you know. There too, I think I learned something from Gwen and her her frugalness and her, her goals that there is there is something to be said for setting a goal and then working slowly, incrementally, just over, you know, 15 years to achieve it.
0: Okay, I know this might be steering away from the book a little bit, but I'm, I'm just always so fascinated and like the way we raise our kids and how that affects like the decisions they make later in life. So there's obvious – that's a common thread right there, right? Like maybe you would have taken the money, but – There's also this like fiscal responsibility and like this like ownership thing that you have. So when we go back to the parents, I wonder, what did you do? You did something right. Like, what did you do?
1: (laughs) We were just talking about this with Gwen because she, her eldest son is obsessed with spending money. Oh, yeah. she's talking about, you know, how can I get him to save? And so we were talking about this, the three of us, and what we remember. And I was saying that I remember as a kid when we would get money, mom would say, okay, you can keep half of that money. And then 30% of that money needs to go into the bank, that's savings. And 20% of that money has to go to charity. We're going to donate it somewhere else. And so we never looked at a lump sum, and thought it's all mine. I can spend it all. It was always, you know, half of it was going somewhere else, and then I could do it what I wanted with the other half.
2: That's so smart. Yeah, we um we just lived frugally. We didn't have a lot of money, and the money that we did have didn't go to a big impressive house or a fancy car. We were saving our money so that Gwen could swim, and so that we could buy basketball shoes for Elizabeth. And um, they still they, they, you know, they'll tell me that they have been deprived in their lives because we didn't have cable TV for many years when everyone else had cable <laughs> and they didn't, they didn't know all the MTV stars. And, you know, we, we had a little Honda Civic instead of the big minivan that their friends were driving around in. And it was just, um we just had priorities. And I mean, we always had enough, plenty of food to eat and, you know, clothes and all the, the sports they wanted to do, but we just put a priority on education and and activities rather than things.
1: And they talked to us about it. I remember, you know, saying, Mom, all my friends have a car. When they turn sixteen, everyone gets a car. And mom and dad were just like, No, like we're not doing it. If you want to buy a car, you buy a car and you pay for insurance and you pay for gas, but we're not doing it and then they would explain it, right? That our money is going towards a savings account for you for college. Our money's going towards your basketball camps. Like, you know, they were really deliberate with that. And we were, I have to imagine, especially me, relentless when it came to (laughs) cable. I wanted cable TV and I wanted an answering machine so bad. It just (laughs) felt like, how can you live without these things? And mom and dad were just like, no, like we will live without these things because we can have all of these other things then.
0: And it's not a necessity, right?
1: Well different opinion
0: but. <laughs> that's so like my my oldest son the other day called me cheap and I was like what so Gwen's not quite there yet like he's te- he's almost 11 like I'm talking about with Stanley um he's probably not quite like catching on to that kind of stuff yet but maybe he is um but I got like very offended by that I was like are you kidding me You guys get Chick-fil-A like once a week. (laughs) I would have given my left arm to get Chick-fil-A once a week as a kid. You know, it's sometimes I feel like it's too easy for them. And there's, I've talked about this term voluntary hardship before on this podcast. And there's a reason to do that with your kids, even if you don't have to. And sometimes it's hard when you do have the resources because it's just easier, you know, to do the thing. But I'm trying really hard to implement those kinds of things. Like, we don't have to do that just because we can.
1: Yes, I would say that that was very much our growing up, right? We could have done, we could have taken a a Disney vacation, but we never did. We could have gone on a cruise, but we never did. You know, it was just those things that the the choices that we made made you know maybe it was a hardship and i think some of them i viewed as harder than others you know i've always just been obsessed with pop culture and reality television and things and so you know there there are certain things that i would push at but yeah it was it was a conversation and even eating out like you were mentioning we didn't do that much and when we did it was a special treat like it was your birthday or you got straight a's um and i remember mom and dad talking about kind of going to what you were saying with being cheap they talked about coupons Uh and they talked about deals and I remember going school shopping and mom saying we have a hundred dollars let's see how many pants and shorts and whatever we can get for a hundred dollars and like looking for those deals
0: which I actually think if you made it into like a game per se or something like that I could see some of my kids like really getting excited about that and like having fun with the math of it, to be honest. Maybe I have an accountant on my hands too. I don't know. (laughs) But like finding like, okay, and putting those, those pieces together. Um, Well, let's get back to the book a little bit. And um, I'd love to talk about mindset, you know, Gwen's mindset, your mindset. And what is it like, like watching someone you love, like compete on the highest stage in the world?
1: Well, that's amazing. I love every minute of it. I want to go to every event that there is. I want to wear a crazy outfit. I want to get everyone in the stands to cheer with me. I, you know, I'm a sport fan. And so to have, to be somebody's biggest fan who is your sister, I, I just relish it. I love it. it, it I, I can't think of anything more fun. Um, and so I'm so glad that she's back to triathlon. Yes, I want to talk yeah. about that too. Yeah. <laughs> Mom has a different experience.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I, you know, as far as mindset, Gwen has just always been, she's been a great self-advocate. She knows what she needs mm. and she asks for it. And we have come to respect that so that, you know, if we, if we do travel, um, with her or, you know, coincide our travel with her so we can see a race, we just, we've come to find that, um. She's successful because she, she knows exactly what she has to do. And we're, we're not offended by it. You know, when she says, I'm, I'm, I can't go out. I'm not, I'm not going to join you for any uh, social activities before the race because I have to concentrate and I have to put my feet up. Um, she's kind of taught us to respect that and not get offended and know that. And, 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 but do respect the fact that she knows how to tell us what she needs. And sometimes it's just a matter of, um, I'll say, well, what do you need for this race? And she'll say, oh, we need two gallons of water. And so we'll run to the store and get bring back two gallons of water or um, bananas or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I think that's a good thing. Um, and what Elizabeth was referring to about mindset and traveling to see races, you know, I never did this when she was, swimming or running but i the danger of the bike in the triathlon just uh. drives me crazy and i just i can't you know we watched a couple on tv recently she was in and just uh, they, they bike so close together at such quick speeds and there are people in that pack that are not as experienced who are in danger of crashing and you know throwing the whole peloton into um, broken bones and whatever and i just it just makes me so nervous
1: But now at least we have George. So I'm thinking, like at the last race, instead of mom worrying about the bike, here she is trying to make a bottle and feed the baby. And then, oh, the baby's getting sunburned. And so we have to cover him. And, you know, so at least now we have a little bit more distraction. But that's, we're like the pit crew. (laughs) We've got the kids now and the strollers. All
0: right, let me tell you about Smart Eats Iron Lift an excellent source of iron highly absorbed and easily digested 25 vitamins and minerals 15 grams of protein and here's the thing women runners especially are prone to low iron you've heard me talk about it on this podcast quite a bit and you can use iron lift to restore your iron levels here's the thing this is a powder and you drink it for boosting iron levels. It tastes great, it is a cookies and cream flavor, and it is easily digested. It has a versatile use, you can put it in drinks, smoothies, cereal, yogurt, and more. It's designed to overcome the bad experience and side effects of other iron supplements. Made for women runners by providing bioavailable iron and an anti-inflammatory blend. It also provides protein, prebiotic fiber, and 25 essential vitamins and minerals i know a lot of people have issues with iron supplements upsetting their stomach and that is one of the reasons the founders of this awesome product created it they made this to be delicious and digestible so go to smarteatspantry.com And use the code RUNNER to save 25% off your order. That's smarteatspantry.com and the code RUNNER for 25% off your order. All right, back to the show. Talk about getting back into triathlon though. I just saw that. I'm like, it's probably got to be, and I can talk to Gwen about this too another time, but like, it's probably got to be pretty emotional to like, Try to go all in on something else and it not quite work out the way you wanted it to work out, but now going back to that original love,
1: yeah, I think she's you know you you try something and it works and it doesn't, and that's part of the process. And she really did give it a go and, you know, had Stanley in the midst of that and a surgery. And um, I'm I'm excited to see what she can do. It's going to be a hard road to make the next Olympics in the triathlon. Um, but, you know, no matter what happens, I think we'll be here cheering her on and just excited to see her put a big goal out there and then not be afraid to change that goal and to not necessarily say I failed, but just I'm pivoting. I'm going to try something else. And there's an opportunity. This mixed team relay was not an opportunity in the Olympics when she was last doing this. And so that's really her focus um, going forward.
2: And I feel we're kind of coming full circle. You know, we were talking earlier about trying things and not assuming you're going to go to the Olympics on them. And so that's kind of what happened with the, you know, the effort to do marathon and then track. You know, she tried it and didn't work out. Um, and so now she's going to try this. And she's on a, um, a confined time frame here, trying to get enough mm. points to even get into the races. Um, and they just canceled and postponed a couple of World Cups. And so she's, um, yeah, I mean, it's not easy, but nothing along the way has been easy. Mm,
0: so true. So with, with the book for young readers, what do you, what is your hope? Like, you know, I, I want my kids to read, they're a little bit young for this one, but like I want my kids to read books of – okay, here's an example. I just read Boys in the Boat, which is obviously – have you guys read that book?
1: Uh, I don't I think, think so. Maybe. I don't know. We know about well, it.
0: Yes. Okay. It's a rowing team, and it's like a really inspiring story about people working really hard. Same, same with Gwen. And as I read the book, I was like, okay, this is like obviously too advanced for my kids. I mean, it was like thick. It was hard for me to read. So I bought the young reader's version, and if I could get my oldest to read a book <laughs> – he would, this would be a good fit. But um, my point is, is that like, I, I want my boys to read books about people working hard and like seeing, sometimes seeing really great results, sometimes maybe not seeing their greatest results, but like that, that effort and the time put in is not for naught and that it means something. And so like an inspiration book, that's what I'm trying to say. So What is your hope like when a little girl or a little boy reads this book like what do you want them to feel
1: when we were doing research um, for our book, we found that there were not a lot of middle grade or young adult books available about female sports heroes. And so I think that that's one of our hopes is that if if a, a kid is looking for a book about a female athlete, there's at least one out there that we can you know add to their their choices. Um, and then I think you know as an English teacher my hope is that a kid picks it up and they enjoy reading that yeah. they see some of themselves in it that they can connect with it um we have some letters in the book Gwen writes letters to herself and then she also writes letters to the reader mm. and then she encourages the reader to write back mm. and so you know seeing that reading and writing go hand in hand I, as an English teacher of course I also hope that kids read the book and then decide to actually write back to Gwen and send her a message. Um, just. Plop it right into her DMs on Instagram, and she said she'll write back to those kids. Uh, We also have an educator guide that has, like, lesson plans or activities. So if a teacher wants to use it, a coach wants to use it, a parent even, if you're like, how can I get my kid to engage with the text, Um, we can give you the the link, um, and you can put it in the show notes for people who are interested. But, yeah, you know, ultimately, I just hope, like you're saying, that kids read it and that they enjoy it. And no matter what, if they want to be in sport or if they want to be a chef or an accountant or a teacher, the message will apply to all of those different areas.
2: Yeah. And and I think, you know, kind of what you were saying, that kids will pick up the book and read it and see that it's not a straight line. From third grade swimmer mm. to the top of the Olympic podium. And that there are lots of setbacks along the way and challenges and decisions and refocusing and trying something when one thing doesn't work, try something new. Um, and also that you don't do it alone. That there's a team of people that, that help the best athletes and that they're willing to accept help. And they're willing to accept advice. And they're willing to change that focus. They don't get stuck on one path and just dig in their heels and say, I'm going to do this no matter what. That they're willing to look at options. um, And that that's the path to success, whether it's the Olympic podium or not. You know, How many people are really going to be Olympians or on the Olympic podium? Um, And that one of Gwen's um, mantras is that, the, the value is in discovering what you have as potential. And it, you know, that doesn't have to be world-class potential, but if you can find what you have inside of you and really develop it and take it to its its fullest, that's where you're going to be satisfied.
0: I think that's why we've seen such a surge in like amateur running teams and people trying to qualify for the Olympic trials or break three hours in the marathon or whatever it is, because like, we all know that we're not going to be that caliber that like, we're not going to be that high of an athlete, but if we can just like work really hard for something and see it, like what it is when we, when we ring the most out of ourselves. Um, so that's why you see all these like adults competing, like high school kids in marathons, because it's exciting to see what you can get out of yourself.
1: And also working like you're mentioning with a team, you can't do alone what you can do with a run group, with a coach, with a team of people around you saying, "Here's how I fuel." Here's you know, like all of those things are so important.
2: I mean, even my husband, who's a golfer, and he's he had some he had some surgery which left him with a brace on his leg, and he could just give up. But he's going to go out there and see what can I do now, even though I'm kind of working with this little handicap, you know. And he's got his golf buddies that. Um, that go with him, and they know they're never going to be on the PGA. <laughs> but he's very invested in what his score is and how to improve his putt, and he just wants to see how good he can get at 69 years old.
1: And he got a coach to work oh, on his I love strength that. and his mobility and, his, you know, like agility, all of those things, and saw improvement just, you know, working with this coach who, you know, made him grab some dumbbells and walk up and down the stairs a million times. That's so
0: awesome. He's affording that coach because you didn't have MTV. (laughs) That's
2: right. And we are also traveling to see triathlons to our daughter who's an Olympian because we saved our money early on. No cable. I love it. (laughs) And we even pay for Elizabeth's room sometimes when she goes with us.
1: (laughs) That is true. That is true. And she
0: doesn't deny the offer. That's
2: right
1: mom and, and dad I, I don't would buy not. me dinner too i'll take it
0: that's what i was gonna say earlier too yeah i was like yeah if we go out to dinner with my parents and they offer to pay i'm like okay great
1: that yeah. sounds good thank you i pay every once in a while enough where they you know they can remember i did it sometime
0: it doesn't really happen as often anymore now that i have four kids because that bill is substantially higher than like the two of us but yeah it's um I, i'll never say no if if they offer yes. um yeah. I love that. Actually, one of the things with running, I, when I was like trying to break three hours in the marathon or like it, it, itching, like edging my way towards it, I knew I needed to get on a team to, to like elevate and get to the next level. And I was never willing to, cause I was like, Oh, that's going to push me really hard. And I don't know if I want to get pushed that hard because it is so true that teams are like so important. And I actually, I just interviewed someone on, I'll have another about podcast about this, like, he went and ran at the uh, University of Oregon, which is like, you know, like big track. And um, but he wasn't good enough to be on the team. So he joined the club team. And I'm like, why aren't more kids doing that? Like you, you glamorize D1. And so if you want to go to D1, but you can't compete D1, like get on the club team, like instead of r- ripping yourself from these athletics that you've been doing your entire childhood.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I did that. I went to Marquette, a Division One I- college and I could not play on any of their teams and so I did you know I did the rec sports um, I did intramurals you know I I took the classes that they offered at the gym and then continued doing that into my adulthood and now have a trainer and I, I also don't have a run team but I signing up for this series I think is at least the first step right putting me out there into the trail running community
0: yeah what are you doing
1: it's a 10K series. Um, you do all of these trails in sort of southeastern Wisconsin and I have a goal to place in my age group. And Nice. So we'll, yep. We'll see how I do with my goal and then I'll, you know, set another one and keep working at it.
0: How does that make you feel? Like, do you feel like setting that goal, like, puts some more substance behind doing the series?
1: And on days where I don't want to, like, I just had a speed workout on mm. on the treadmill that my coach gave me, and I did not want to do it. And I thought, if I don't do this, when I get out there, I'm not going to be able to compete with these other ladies in the same way. And so I think it holds me accountable, and it just, it forces me to feel some pain that, that maybe I don't want to feel.
0: Do you talk to Gwen at all about, like, mindset and how to work through that?
1: yeah well yes and she also her pain tolerance is higher than mine and she's willing to go there um, and i i'm working on it but i still have not embraced the hurt embraced the suffer i think she gets some some pleasure some weird <laughs> enjoyment out of that pain that you feel when you push your body to that level and i i'm, I'm not there
0: Well, sometimes I wonder when I'm like, am doing that though, like when Gwen or someone like is doing that, they're thinking, okay, like an Olympic medal might be on the line, but I'm doing it. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't have to do this right now, but I know the satisfaction later is worth it. But sometimes it's hard to talk yourself into it because your job isn't on the line.
1: Yes, exactly. And, you know, I think it's that potential. If I don't push myself you know one percent more or whatever it is i really won't know my potential and i like looking back at my old times and saying i trained so hard for that dang time but also feeling pride in what i accomplished and i think that that helps me then push myself a little bit more going forward but i also know i'm never going to be gwen i am never going to be able to suffer the way it, it's a it's a totally different breed of human
0: Has that been hard for you at all as the sister?
1: No, no, (laughs) because I don't want it. I don't want it. I know what, what it, what goes into it, what it feels like. I am much happier cheering. I love
0: that. That's so good. Cause you wonder with sibling rivalry, like, you know, I mean, I have four boys and I'm like, okay, one of them is one or two of them are probably going to be a lot better at sports than the other two. It's just like how they were created, like how their bodies are, how their work ethic is. Will there be like jealousy or whatever if we're like always going to so-and-so's meets and things like that? Did you ever
2: worry about that or think about that, Nancy? And I know Elizabeth, you did sports too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, because we'd had no idea where this was all going to end up, um we didn't we didn't favor either girl in their activities. Um Gwen's activities demanded a little more, you know. She was yeah. she would go to like a zone swimming meet out of state and so we would all go, but we would try to make it fun for the family and you know, it was it was one of those weekends where we did go out to eat a lot and did some fun things that we wouldn't do at home. But we went to every one of Elizabeth's um basketball games and orchestra concerts and track meets and if both girls had something on the same night then one of us went one place and the other one went the other and um you know i we just we just supported both of them
1: Gwen and i were on the same track team i was a senior she was a freshman and Our track coach knew that Gwen was going to surpass me as a freshman, like, Uh. right away. And he was really cognizant of that and had some conversations with me to just kind of make sure that I was okay Mm. with it, but also make sure that I knew that I had a role. And although my role wasn't scoring points at the varsity meet, like Gwen's role was, that my role was equally – as important um and he also knew that I loved things like cheering and outfits and signs and so you know just like fostering that and making me feel like that's okay and that that's that's important too well, how lucky yeah he was really he's an interesting um character and just always has like genuinely the kid's best interest at heart. And he saw in Gwen this talent and he just knew that Gwen should be running and did everything that he could to make us and her aware of that and allowed her to – so she wanted to swim. She only wanted to swim. And she's like, How can I do both swim practice and track practice? And swim meets and track meets and you know, club swimming and track? Like, how how is this gonna work? And he just said, Just come to meets. Just come to track meets. Don't even worry about training. And you can imagine some of the feelings that other athletes oh, were sure. having. Yeah. For oh, sure. And so then trying to manage all of that so everyone was okay with it you know he he had to do a lot of work to make that happen but ultimately he's the reason i think that gwen knows that she he's the reason that she started running running yeah
0: oh is he still alive
1: oh yeah Mm -hmm. we see him he comes over he just came over to the house the other day and we gave him some gwen memorabilia what was that for mom um
2: he well he had done some online teaching and then he was going back into the classroom and he wanted some posters or something from you know, just to decorate his room, and so we gave him some memorabilia from from Gwen, and I'm sure he told all of his students, you know, about his role and her success. Um, but yeah, he he really was um, instrumental in 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 all of what you just said. He's a good guy.
1: When I think about those coaches now, who even put pressure on athletes to focus on just this sport, and you have to make every single practice, and you have to make every single meet, and not maybe seeing the bigger picture that there's a talent there that that should be developed that should be encouraged and how can we make that work for this girl who's obsessed with swing yeah only once like like let's just it's going to be better for the team it's going to be better for the school it's going to be better for Gwen like and then just finding a creative way to make everyone on the same team to get everyone on board with that
2: right because yeah. I think he saw that if Gwen was on the relay three other girls were going to go to state yeah. you know, and, and so it it really did benefit everybody. But in the moment, I, you could see that some of those girls did not understand why she was on the relay and they weren't.
0: Some resentment there probably. Yeah. And that, that swimming practice, like she's working just as hard as she would have been at the track practice. It kind of, it kind of translates pretty well, especially when you're so young, you know, uh, but yeah The reason
1: why Gwen stayed so healthy, we think, is because oh, sure. of all of the swim, right? It wasn't pounding on pavement. It was swim laps.
0: I'm telling you what, the, the strongest I've ever been is when I trained for that dang triathlon yeah. because you're doing all these other things and you're not just like pounding, pounding, pounding. It's just a huge time commitment
1: yes because it's It's so easy
0: right to just like throw on your shoes and do your hour running like to get to a pool to load up all your bike gear and find a route and like there is some simplicity in running for sure
1: definitely
2: um okay so where can people find the book you've got the shtick, elizabeth say the whole thing
1: oh okay sure (laughs) <laughs> the book is available everywhere books are sold. We, of course, would want to encourage people to patronize their local um, independent bookstores. We can give you a link for your show notes that will um, send people to Books and Company. It's a local bookseller in our community that actually is offering signed copies of the oh, book, an cool. extra charge. So You can support a local business and get a signed copy of the book if you want. Um, same thing with the link to the educator guide that'll be in the show notes and then if people are interested in author talks like if you have a team or a school and you want mom and i to come in and speak we're more than willing to do that people can just contact us via our email or our website you can also follow us on twitter um, or any social media channels including gwen's youtube and instagram and you know we we are hoping to connect with young readers and you know inspire them or help them or answer any questions that they have
0: Yeah, I was going to say, are you talking to like coaches and stuff like that and getting it in the hands of of coaches to distribute to their teams?
1: Yeah, we're talking to everyone, librarians, teachers, other authors, sport teams. You know, we're just trying to get the word out that the book is available if people are interested.
0: I love it. I can imagine being like a 17-year-old kid and this being a really good book for that.
1: Yeah, we hope so.
0: Um, okay, well, we always wrap up with into podcast questions. What is one thing professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet?
1: Mom and I have a project in the works about um, Korean poetry, and I'm really hoping that we're able to put together an anthology of Korean poetry. I hope that's our next professional project. <laughs> nice.
2: And I would, I've got this idea lately, um, after being so confined with the pandemic and everything, I would love to just take a weekend in New York, maybe four days and see um, Broadway shows, like two Broadway shows a day. Come back, fly out on Friday. See a bunch of shows. Come back on Monday. I used to do that with my choir students, but that was, I had 50 kids in tow. And I just want to do it with my husband. Not quite as relaxing.
1: Wait, just your husband? Oh, well, you'd want
2: you'd want me to pay for it if you came along.
0: Can I stay in your room? You're making, um, Nancy, you're making aging sound very, like, awesome. Honestly. It is.
2: It is. Retirement's great. I love it.
0: Uh, What's the best, most recent book you've read?
1: I am reading Paris Hilton's book right now. Oh, oh my gosh, it is so good. Like really? I'm oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like if you, um, it's very different than her documentary that she did, but also kind of similar, but very different from the reality show that she's been on. You know, the one with Carter and uh-huh. also the Simple Life. Um, but it's really well written. I actually ended up looking up the Ghostwriter. Yeah, to say who's the ghostwriter? Exactly. Yeah, and then the ghostwriter. I mean, she's very well respected, and so then I'm interested in the other books. But yeah, um, I haven't finished it yet but it's like one of those books where I don't want it to end because it's I love it
0: so do you is it making you like her
1: oh I love her I've always loved her though but I mean Uh. I'm 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 a Paris Hilton fan um but she yes it's great it's really good
0: who are some other authors that this ghostwriter has written with? Ooh, you're oh, you testing. can't remember.
1: I, I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, you're saying
0: you'd like to read more of their books because I would. they're good. Yes. Okay.
1: Same with, I just read Prince Harry's book.
0: Is that good? I saw it at the library. I almost picked it up.
1: So good. And that's Really? The same, yes. That's the same ghostwriter as did Andre Agassi's Open.
0: I have that book. I, I got it at Goodwill, and I haven't read it yet.
1: Okay. If you like that one, it's the same ghostwriter who then wrote Prince Harry's. If you like those... I would say you're going to love the Paris Hilton one as well. Okay.
0: I'll start with Andre Agassi because I've had it sitting in my bookshelf, but I get so many books to read for the podcast that I'm like, sometimes I can't keep up. And so I really do. I've heard really good things about
2: Andre Agassi's.
1: Yes. I enjoyed that one.
2: Okay, Nancy, you're up. Uh, yeah, my latest one was um, *The Trackers* by Charles Fraser. It's brand new, just out. Elizabeth and I do not have the same taste in pleasure reading. I'm really into. Histo- you're not into Paris Hilton? No, <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> I know nothing about pop culture, and I, when it comes up, I just I would rather read something else. I. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I, I I'm into historical fiction and just kind of immersing myself in a different time. Kind of seeing what people lived like and being grateful that I live now when I do.
0: Oh, for sure. Um, Elizabeth, do you listen to the podcast? I don't. You should listen to it. Okay. It's really funny and it's a pop culture podcast. I mean, so their background is like they come from like um, a lot of their jokes are like, a, I don't know how to say this without sounding weird. They're all Christians. And so they kind of grew up in this like evangelical way and they're still Christians, but a little bit more on the progressive side of that. So like some of their jokes go back to like church stuff from the, growing up. But the main thing they talk about is pop culture and it's really, and they're really funny too. I so, love it.
1: Yeah. I listen. Do you listen to call her daddy?
0: No, but I've heard um, of it.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I love all the Bravo uh-huh. stuff like a, uh, Podcast, um not skinny but not fat. Uh-huh. But, yeah. So I'm I'm in that that realm. But if yeah, you I,
0: listen, I, let me know if you like it. We'll do. Um, okay. I know we're gonna obviously we're obviously recommending your book for young readers, but do you have a kids' book or a young reader book? Another one that you would recommend to families?
1: Oh gosh, mom, you go first. I gotta look up yeah. the name of the one I'm thinking of.
2: Um I, I did my homework on this, so I can maybe even fill in what you probably would say. <laughs> um, Aww. Uh, Lisa Weimer lives in our area, and she has been a mentor for us. Um, and she has a couple of great books out for young adults. Um, the, her most recent one is called The Assignment about, um, just, um, Jewish culture and, and kids, teachers in the classroom and doing things responsibly. Um, she also has another one called Hello that, and, and just because we know her as an author and know her dedication to young people, um, and the, these two books are just great. I thought maybe you'd want to talk about Linda Sue Park, Elizabeth.
1: Yes. Well, I'm into Korean poetry. And so Linda Sue Park has a young adult book, elementary school book called um, Tap Dancing on the Roof. That's a great one if people want to integrate um, some Korean poetry into their lives. I also just read And Tango Makes Three. It's a children's book about these penguins uh, um, in New York City, and it's one of the banned books that's been called into question, and I actually listened to the audio version. Neil Patrick Harris read the book. Uh. It's just, it's so heartwarming, and I, like, love the book, and so that, that would be one of my recommendations. And then the other one is almost american girl by robin ha it's a graphic novel and it's just it's so cool because it's memoir it's uh written by a korean american author and then it's a graphic novel so it's just a book that i think a lot of kids would really like um and it's like in my wheelhouse so those are also my recommendations but i love what you said about lisa Weimer. that she's awesome follow her find her books echo what mom said 100
0: um okay two questions why did that book get banned?
1: Um, because it's two men penguins who are taking care of a baby. Oh, can which penguins makes... be men? You know, you know what I'm saying. It's two male yes. penguins. Yes, which yes, which
0: makes sense why Neil Patrick Harris is narrating. But yes, oh my
1: yes. Gosh. But anytime I hear like these banned books, I want to read them. Yeah, so like what, the first what's, thing what's I going on like, with this? Yes, check them out from the library, and then I'm like, oh, it's such a wonderful okay. book. Okay, <laughs> oh,
0: love it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's banned. Um, right, exactly. <laughs> what got you into Korean poetry?
1: I teach creative writing to juniors and seniors, and I'm always looking for authentic purposes for their work. So I want them to send off their writing to magazines, journals, writing competitions. And there is a national shijo competition. Shijo is kind of like haiku. um, So it's a three line poetic form that can be written in any language. And so I stumbled upon this poetry competition for Shijo and I shared it with my students and they started to have success with it and then I fell in love with it and then I started presenting on it writing in the form I pulled mom in now she helps uh share the good word about Shijo um so yeah it's that kind of like with Gwen and triathlon it just snowballed very slowly and I never knew my whole life I've been preparing to teach people about Shijo but turns out I have been
0: (laughs) oh that's so awesome do you have a trip or somewhere you've explored with the family that you would recommend checking out?
1: I, think, so I was talking about my vacation home. It's in Monacoa, Wisconsin. Okay. And it's up north and there's some really nice trails and nature places to explore and be on your bike or trail run. Um, it's also kind of near where Gwen got married, which is in Cable, Wisconsin, which up there, um, we've also taken some trips, which is really good for biking. The Berka Binder's up there. And so I, I would say northern Wisconsin for the win. Nice.
2: <laughs> and, you know, um, Gwen just had this triathlon in St. Charles, Missouri. And so we decided to all go down there. And what we ended up doing was we had this multi-generational nine-person entourage that went to St. Charles. Um, Elizabeth and her, her partner and Gwen and her whole family and my husband and me and my husband's sister. So there were nine of us. And just the experience of, we rented a, a VRBO and ate all of our meals in. We cooked all of our meals. Um, because, you know, we, Gwen had a five-year-old and the six-month-old. So we, it was like accommodating everyone from brand newborn to 70. Um, nice. and we, we found these, and the, the, um, the rental house was the music house. And so every room was themed. There was the Beatles room and the Madonna room and, um, the Elvis room and instruments on the wall that the kids could take down and play. And we just, you know, we found. And they did. And they, <laughs> they did. And an old fashioned record player and they had, um, a, a standing Pac-Man machine. And so I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you can do family vacations with these big groups and it wasn't really expensive. And it wasn't, we found low stress activities that were, we didn't have to schedule in. You know, we, we just went to this, um, uh, fast lane classic cars. Which was a three three showroom classic car place where they refurbish cars and sell them. It's one of the biggest in the country, but totally free and no reservations. You just go in and Stanley loved the cars and Aww. and so did so did the rest of us. Um, so I guess you know it's not a destination as much as an idea for an experience that that you can do um, and it doesn't have to be miserable. <laughs> you know we really had a lot of fun
1: and the rental's always fun to be together and you know the cooking, you know, mom did a lot of it without a cutting board and the, you know, like having the backyard space, Stanley could take out his little remote control car. And we had a place where, you know, we were all together, but you weren't confined like in a hotel, just the idea of having a whole house together. um, It was, it was very fun.
0: I love the non-scheduled too, because I feel like my sister-in-laws, if they go on vacation, they always have like this agenda. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but like if one of my kids is falling apart, Like, I don't want to be like, we have to do this. Like, everything's going to fall apart if we don't do this. So I love the unscheduledness of that because sometimes it's good to have something planned, but, you know.
1: Right. We had some ideas, some options. Right.
2: And we found a way to sort of discover the things that were special to that city um, without – like having to, you know, they're known for barbecue, and so I mean, we just really yeah. wanted a bunch of barbecued pork and ribs. And um, instead of dragging nine people to a restaurant, um, we just we we ordered like two pounds of barbecue and two pounds of pulled pork and two pounds of this and that, and brought it in and did, you know, the sides on our own. And so we got the, we got a flavor of St. Charles without having the stress of of all that
1: and walked a lot right Mm -hmm. so we just all got together and pushed the stroller down main street um did some running they had like a trail that went right along the river near the house and just making i don't know it it was a very fun trip
0: that's awesome um let's see what is your last message to leave with our audience I know it's a big one.
1: It is a big one. I'm going to say, go Gwen, go. (laughs) Follow her. uh, Cheer her on. Hopefully you can join me in being her biggest fan.
2: And I'm just going to say, you know, whether you're a kid reading the book or an adult, um... We all have potential that is untapped. You know, there's all these things we can discover about ourselves. And um, I'm enjoying doing that in my retirement. And but, you know, so I I just think no matter what age you are, find something that you haven't fully explored and explore it.
1: Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: All right, friends, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Nancy and Elizabeth, for joining us today. Make sure you check out those show notes, sandyboyproductions.com to grab everything we talked about over there and sign up for our newsletter that goes out every week that just emails you the show notes so you don't have to go digging for what we talked about. I would love to connect with you all on social media. I am Hind 626 on Instagram. This podcast is also on Instagram. Why is everyone yelling? I'm on Twitter at Lindsay Hine and uh, feel free to shoot me an email anytime. Lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks for being here and we'll see you next week on why is everyone yelling?